everyone, this is Mike. And this is Brian of Fellowship Home Loans. Many things make us different, but what do our clients say? We can close your loan in weeks, not months like other lenders. They love our low rates and, of course, our personalized one-on-one approach. Call us today at 800-804-SAVE or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now, get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John B. Fuller here, and I am fired up today because we are going to talk about a topic that I know absolutely nothing about, and I'm going to guess you don't either. So the fun part about that is, is I'm not going to be the only one asking stupid questions. And that being said, the reason I'm excited about this is because it's going to shine a light on something that is extremely needed in the public. And that being said, before I dive off into what we're talking about today, I want you to know we're going to be talking to Katie Klein and Carice. Are you guys fired up and ready to do this? We are. Yes. Okay. So Katie Klein and Karis Boone together are in business. Karis is an embryo adopter and Katie is an embryo donor. They put together a movement to help change the lives of families everywhere. Since that time, the two friends have become business partners as co-founders of the National Registry for Adoption, helping more families grow through embryo adoption. Now, here's the thing. Roar Nation, I could read off more of the bio and talk about it, but honestly, I'm a little new to this whole subject, and I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to let you two ladies fire off and tell me what it is that you do. Well, thank you for having us on the show. We are excited to be here. This is Katie, and I'm an embryo donor. And what that means is that my husband and I did not get pregnant naturally. We went to an infertility clinic and did a procedure called in vitro fertilization. Most people call this IVF. In the process of IVF, the doctor wants to give you the best chance of getting pregnant. So you take a lot of different hormones and drugs to stimulate egg production in mom-to-be, and after about 30 days, they retrieve all the eggs, and the number of eggs per woman is just dependent on her body. So you might get four, you might get 30. They will then fertilize these eggs from dad-to-be and let them grow for about five days normally. And not all fertilized eggs will grow, but sometimes a lot do. And so we had 11 fertilized. We ended up with only four that made it to day five and two were implanted and turned into my boy girl twins. So that's basic IVF. But the problem with IVF comes from, well, we had boy girl twins. We're one and done. So what are we going to do with those extra two embryos that were created in the IVF process and are now waiting in a frozen storage bank at the infertility clinic? So We, as Christians, believe life begins at conception. We had seen embryos turn into our children. So for us, we saw those embryos as pre-born kids, and we needed a solution. We weren't going to throw them away. We weren't going to donate them to science. We needed a solution. And that's where my friend Karis, we've been friends for years, 
came in with a solution. I'll let her talk about embryo adoption. Hi, this is Karis, and my family, my husband and I as well, had struggled with infertility, and we had done IVF. However, we didn't have any embryos that made it to day five. And so we moved on to traditional adoption, and we adopted our first daughter, Jula, from a birth mother, and had a wonderful domestic, traditional, private adoption experience with her. Shortly thereafter, I received a radio broadcast on a CD in the mail from someone I really didn't know that well. And on that, they talked about embryo adoption. And I was really intrigued by it because we had just gone through the traditional adoption path, which had been a struggle. We'd had three birth mothers give birth to their babies and then decide to parent. So we had three failed adoption attempts. We also had experienced the birth of our daughter and then the 48-hour waiting period, which in our state, it was 48 hours. In other states, it can be much longer. But the first 48 hours of her life, I didn't know if we were going to get to keep her, if she was truly going to be ours. And so embryo adoption seemed to be the opposite, that with embryo adoption, you did the paperwork up front. It was a legal contract that you do with your donor family. And then when the baby is born, you don't have that waiting period. They are yours from birth. And so I was also very compelled by the fact that with traditional adoption, for every baby that's born, there's 28 families waiting in line for that newborn baby to adopt it. But with embryo adoption, the opposite was true. There were hundreds of thousands of embryos in storage. Some of them waiting to be adopted and given a chance at life. And so it seemed like these pre-born babies were waiting for families. And I was very compelled by that. And so I went to my husband and I said, hey, I want to tell you about this thing called embryo adoption. I think the Lord might be calling us to this. What do you think? And he said, no way. I am not interested. <laughs> we have had, I said, what is that? <laughs> yeah. And he said, I, we just had a great experience with Dr. Jula. Let's do it again and again and again. I'm not interested. And so I told him that I was going to be praying about it and see where, where the Lord led us. So that led us to a few more conversations. And my husband really it boiled down to he had three areas of concern. He was concerned medically about my health, legally about what the implications you know, would be with that and what financially, yeah. how expensive it was going to be. And so what we found in our research was that medically, you know, we had already done fertility. And so our fertility treatment. So our fertility doctor said, well, you've already accepted all the traditional risks that come with an embryo transfer. So there's no additional medical complications that arise with a donated embryo. And so that answer satisfied my husband on the medical portion. Legally, we found out that embryo adoption is really considered a legal transfer, a property transfer. It's not something that's finalized in court. It's something that just has to be notarized between the parties involved. So the process is so a lot easier. Much simpler, much simpler, and much more inexpensive. Legal contracts. At the National Registry for Adoption, we've actually partnered with a law firm to specialize in these contracts, and we offer them for $350 versus 
traditional adoption legal work usually costs more than ten thousand. Wow. So quite a difference there. And then financially, we looked into it, and really the more expensive part of the process was actually creating the embryos to begin with, which the donor family had done. And so as far as the finances, we found that we could complete our embryo adoption for about $4,000 compared to an average traditional adoption is going to run anywhere from $25,000 to $40,000. So we felt with those three answers being met, the only thing left to do was to find a donor family, which at the time, there was only two options to find really a donor family. You could go through an adoption agency, but they were charging fourteen to $16,000 for the matching fee. So let me ask you guys this real quick. Let me kind of interject as we go back and forth. Why is it so expensive? Like, I'm just blown away. I know people that have adopted, they've even flown to other countries to get kids. And I'm my mind is just blown at how many kids need parents, how many parents want kids, but yet the gap financially is so huge. Do you guys know that or can you explain that to me? Because I'm just, that blows me away. Well, and I would say that there's two types of adoption. I like to differentiate between there's orphan care. So there's children who don't have parents who need a family and most orphan care that you're going to find is in those international adoptions. That's where children are living in orphanages without um, parents in their lives. Um, Then there's the other type of adoption is growing your family. And so my family, my husband and I suffered from infertility and wanted to grow our family. Well, in the United States, there's really no newborn born in the United States that's available for adoption that isn't going to have many families seeking to adopt it. And the expense comes from agencies. The expense comes from, we, you know, the agencies have full-time staff members working with the birth mothers, working with the hospital to match and to counsel these families. So the legal side of a traditional adoption is going to be about $10,000, and that's what you have to pay a lawyer to file the paperwork and walk through the process. And then you might have $10,000 worth of birth mother expenses that you've wow. had to support your birth mother. And then you're probably going to have about $10,000 of paying that agency to have a full-time staff dedicated to walking you through the process. That blows my mind. I read a, and we'll go into some other stuff, but I was just really, as, as I was preparing for this interview, I was just curious on how many abortions happen every year. It, when you think about that, it just, it breaks my, it literally made me nauseated when I read it. I, I, I got sick. But for those of you who don't know, in 2014, and this is just a quick Google search, so I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but according to the CDC.gov, it says 652,000 children were aborted. And what blows my mind is on the other end is you're talking about all these parents, people who legitimately want kids that are like wanting to parent and love these children. And there's this gap in between of, of all these kids that are being aborted because I don't know, it, it just breaks my heart. Well, John, I think this is good for you and your listeners to know the fact of the one in 28, because so yes. many times the media, Christians, or other people who support life are told Christians don't care about the baby when it's born. They're just anti-abortion. Or they'll say, you know, why aren't you adopting kids? And so I think if you come across comments like this on your Facebook feed and stuff, instead of being argumentative, 
you can just say, you know, for every baby born and put up for adoption in the United States, there's 28 couples waiting for that. That's just a fact. And it's not, you know, arguing when life begins or whatever. It just tells a person who says people who believe in life don't care about children. Those people are uneducated about how many people care about children. Yeah. 28 is huge. I mean, that just blows my mind. That means there is a huge need for, honestly, for children to be born. What I think about this is like what most people don't think about. And this is the reason, there's many reasons, obviously, why abortion bothers me. But the thing is, is every time that somebody dies, whether a newborn or a person living or whatever, that's a piece of God that we will never see that has, or have never been able to see that is that has died. Because every single one of us carries something that's been given to us from God to live that out and to give to humanity around us. And I don't, and I think if people would see that more life giving is the specialness of God inside of us, I, I think it would change some people's perspective. At least I hope it would. So, absolutely. I think that, in, it, in a nutshell, you just summarized why I was drawn to embryo adoption because the thought. These frozen children, these frozen preborn children just waiting for their chance to be born was such a powerful concept to me and just moved me deeply. Yeah, absolutely. We get asked all the time, why Fellowship Home Loans? What makes us different? Hey everyone, this is Mike. And this is Brian of Fellowship Home Loans. Many things make us different, but what do our clients say? We can close your loan in weeks, not months like other lenders. They love our low rates and, of course, our personalized one-on-one approach. And always, our clients get two months off from their mortgage payments and $1,000 back at closing. Our motto itself, mortgage lending guided by Christian principles. Call us today at 800-804-SAVE or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. So I'm just curious, was there like an inspirational scripture or quote or something that like kind of, you know how sometimes the Lord just speaks to you and all of a sudden like you get a, and, and I don't mean to sound non-religious for some people, but like the, like you get a fortune cookie type deal, but it's got a scripture verse in it or something, but just something stood out to you and you're just like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to answer first is Katie, because I've been a Christian my whole life. My dad was a pastor and a missionary. But I am a little bit more practical. Karis came to me with this idea because she knew my husband and I had the talent to build NRFA.org. And so I see it as less an inspired verse as I see it as when God says, you know, I give you talent and you're part of the body of Christ when you're given these gifts that by Karis bringing this idea to my husband and I who know how to build businesses, that this was a way of God using the gifts that he has already given us. Because if my husband didn't know how to program websites, and if Karis didn't have a, a good idea for the need, this wouldn't have happened. So Karis, do you want to comment? To me, it just really, uh, adoption as a whole, when God talks about being a father to the fatherless in their time of need, and that true and undefiled religion is this, to take care of the widows and the orphans in need, that we have that call to step up and to defend those that need to be defended and to speak for those that don't have voices. And now, let me be clear that a lot of these embryos in storage were created out of a strong love and desire for these children to be born. And there's an emotional attachment here. These embryos, many of them have not been abandoned, and their families are trying to find a way to provide for them, provide families for them. And so I think 
I felt the call to not only adopt embryos and give them that chance at life, the Lord knew them before the beginning of the world, that those children were not accidents, they were meant to be created, and there's a purpose and a plan for them. But at the same time, I really felt like there were families like Katie and Scott who had these extra embryos, felt a conviction and a love for their life and a desire to provide for that life, knowing that they couldn't do it within their own family unit. And I felt like they needed to know that there was an option, that there was a way that they could provide life for these children outside of their individual family units. And Kara speaks the truth here. When we ask people about, have you heard of embryo donation? Almost no one has. And this includes people who've been to IVF clinics and work with fertility doctors. And okay, we had four embryos. Yes, we could have had four kids, but there are women in situations who've been told like, you can never get pregnant again, or you have 12 embryos left over. And I don't know anyone who wants 18 children anymore. And so Getting creating National Registry Adoption to let donors know that they have an option to help a family achieve their goals of creating a family. I feel that it is a sacrifice on the part of donors because that's your genetics and your care and all the emotions that went into creating those embryos. But the two embryos I donated are now twin boys, and they live in Oklahoma, and they'll be celebrating their second birthday in June. Wait, and wait. so I, did, I got a question. I'm going to interrupt you as we go because it's I, I can only that's how I think, and I, and I apologize. But so let me John, ask do you. Can you edit these later? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> we just go. I don't like All to right, edit because that's, that's the whole deal. Be real, be authentic. So if I sound stupid, then people get to know that I'm stupid. Or right, if I, sound, I don't sound silly. That's fine. <laughs> or if I have a moment, or if we have a moment of greatness, then it comes out too. So, but I'm just thinking about this: the emotional attachment. So in my mind, I have three amazing kids, and I'm thinking if if I donated sperm to one of these processes, then I know that you just mentioned you had two twins in another state or wherever. Is that hard? Because in my mind, I'm thinking I have these two other kids somewhere else. Now, granted, somebody else is taking care of them. They have their parents, but I'm still thinking they're mine. Well, I think you bring up a very valid point. So it's not only your sperm, but it would be your wife's egg. So it'd be your couple, you and your wife would have created this embryo together as a couple. Okay. And we have people who want different levels of knowledge. Your feelings are very similar to my husband's feelings. He said, look, Katie, I, we can't have two more kids. We work from home. We we're raising these twin babies. Like, it was brutal. And so I agreed, and I said, well, I want to donate to someone who will let me see pictures and we'll talk. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just want to know that the babies were born and that they're happy. I don't want to know anything else. And so at the National Registry of Adoption, we offer all kinds of choices. You can be completely anonymous and know just if a baby was born. Or like Harris and her donor family who have been to Disney World together, there's all kinds range of emotions. I think God blessed me personally because the two babies who were born do not look very similar to my children, which blows my mind. You know, they were born blonde and my children were born brown-headed. You know, my brother was born blonde. So I think God gave me some grace and that when I see their pictures, I love them. I think they're cute. But I also know that they couldn't have existed in our house. And so when I look at them, I know that God intended those children for my adoptive family. And I just see pictures and we 
chat once in a while. I wasn't comfortable enough to like meet them in person or whatnot. Cause I'm a control freak. I'd be like, what are you feeding them for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> are they getting um, their vegetables? But okay. So really want a relationship and they call the kids cousins. And then other donors like my husband, he doesn't really want to know. He's like, I'm glad they're alive, but I think it would hurt me to know too much about them. And so we cater to all those range of emotions. Okay. So I'm just curious, Karis, you said you, you met yours and went to Disney world with them. Yes, they have become our extended family. So our donors didn't know at first whether they, what type of communication they wanted to have, what emotions they would have, which I found completely understandable. And I said, hey, we have an open adoption with our oldest daughter. When this baby is born, we can wing it. If it's too hard for you to have any communication, then, you know, I'll just go with what you decide. And so we eased into it. We didn't really have a plan. I kept the donor mom updated along the way during the pregnancy and the transfer. I We transferred to embryos, and I got pregnant with a little girl. Um, so, so just her. so I can understand, because I'm trying to wrap my mind around this, this is the other mom's egg, her husband's sperm, and then you carry that. Am I right? Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure because I'm, I'm trying to, this is totally new to me, so I'm just trying to grasp it. So my donor couple actually also got, they did IVF. They had six embryos. They put two in and they had boy-girl twins and they were done. Um, she had health issues with the twin pregnancy and her doctor told her she could not carry any more children. And so we adopted four embryos from them. And from those four, I gave birth to one daughter and when she was born, they sent flowers and asked for pictures. And then I guess it was about three weeks later, they were going to actually be in our town visiting some of their family. And they asked if they could stop by and visit. And they did. And it was a little awkward, but we pushed through. And from that point on, the relationship just grew. Okay, so I, got, I have to ask, you said awkward. Why? I've just, I, I got to dig into that one. Um, well, I had just given birth, so I wasn't in the best of health. I actually had congestive heart failure and had complications afterwards with oh preeclampsia. So I wasn't in great health, and I was dealing with my health and the newborn. And then they had their own range of emotions. The mom was, we were meeting for the first time, so she was very bubbly and excited. Their, their kids didn't know what was going on. And the husband, I don't think he really wanted to be there. And so he, he was kind of guarded has a baseball hat on and was kind of looking at the ground. And, you know, they we were all coping with our emotions in the best way we could. Yeah. Um, we love to laugh about it now, especially the donor husband, because he, now when he sees my daughter Zoe, he runs up and grabs her and gives her a kiss and throws her up in the air and is just so warm and has just really warmed up to our family. So we like to look back on that as, you know, that was very abnormal behavior for him. But at the time, we didn't know any different. And yeah, so yeah. we just were committed to each other. We were committed to building the friendship and seeing how the Lord would bless us through it. And so we actually joked in our communication early on. She said, she wrote me an email, which I still have. I read it the other day and got a good laugh on it. But she said, you know, I think I just want pictures and generic information about the child or the children. She said, you know, I'm not really thinking we'll ever take family vacations together. You know, that was kind of a joke. Well, about three years later, we had become such good friends. She said, hey, we're going to Disney World. Would y'all want to go with us? 
And we said, sure, that sounds amazing. And so we went and it was the best family vacation we've ever had. So did you feel a draw to the child more? Because I'm just because I'm thinking of my wife and giving birth to our children. Like, I mean, the baby's in you for eight, nine months. So it's a part of you. So it feels like yours. I mean, is there is there a, an emotional internal draw there? I'm curious. I get asked that quite a bit because we actually have three children now. We went on and adopted our third domestic adoption two years ago. And so we now have a seven-year-old, five-year-old, and two-year-old. And so I get asked, do I feel a special connection to the child that I carry? And I would say no. They're all three different. My relationship with all three of them is different. But I, the Lord gave me three children, and they're all three equally mine. I just want to jump in while Karis is talking because yeah. of our customers who have come to our website and told us about what they want, not maybe emotionally connecting to your children more, but many women who experience infertility want to experience pregnancy. With an adoption, you don't know what mom was drinking or eating, and you didn't get to have a baby shower, maybe, because it was uncertain when you would get a child. And so I think embryo adoption allows a person who has struggled with infertility to experience pregnancy. Take the birth control pills, not birth control, prenatal vitamins. Pre-med. <laughs> Go to the sonogram, you know, have the gender reveal party. And so, well, I don't believe that Karis loves Zoe more than her other children. I think being pregnant is a special event for many women. Absolutely. It was a more natural process for me. I would say there's nothing really natural about a traditional adoption process. It can become, you get asked very strange questions and you have to make hard decisions. So being allowed to experience pregnancy was just a blessing and a miracle from the Lord. I will say from my own personal experience, I had a I was not a good pregnant person. I was sick the whole time. I was very uncomfortable. My husband joked all the time. He said, I've never seen someone work as hard as you did to get pregnant and then not enjoy it. (laughs) And and so I don't know, maybe that it wasn't a a sweet season for me. I was very sick and um, just just funny how things happen. It is. It is. Okay. I'm curious. So Katie, I want to take away, I'm just, I'm business minded and everything. So I don't want to take away from the specialness of what you guys do by any means. And and I'm saying that for my listeners just to understand and for y'all also, but I'm curious on the business side, how has that been? Has that been ups and downs, highs and lows? Has that just taken off for you guys? I'm just really curious because obviously there's a huge need, but I've probably owned at least over 15 different businesses. And man, it's a roller coaster in life, just that. How has that been for you guys as a business? Well, that's a great question because there is a great need, but I would consider the market to be small because people don't know about embryo donation and adoption. So if this doesn't even apply to your listeners, if they would tell someone about it or share it, that would be great. Now, Karis and I started this business. My husband built a website and then we ran it for several years. Just as quote unquote working moms, as you say, Karis has three small children. I have, my twins are just now four and a half. I think we started NRFA when they were six months old. So for a long time, the business was just fun money. It was just like, oh, here's some money. We can go on vacation or pay for a bill because we did not have any money to advertise or do anything. So 
we just ran it on a shoestring budget. And that's how it's been for years. And it's slowly gained in popularity. We do have Facebook groups for donors and adopters. And so people talk about their good experiences. But in the past year, we were able to win a government grant. Shocking, I know, but the government does want to build families and help people with infertility. And so that has allowed us to purchase more advertising. It's allowed us to get some experts who can help us you know, design images and some things like that. And so we're just getting into this process of discovering what to do with some additional money on a company that we we ran basically no budget for four years. Yeah, no no income for four years. Yeah, that's true. We didn't make anything. We didn't get into this to make money, and we right. were successful at that because we saw a need. You know, in order to find and adopt embryos, agencies were charging between fourteen and $16,000. Meanwhile, there's hundreds of thousands of embryos and one in six couples experiencing infertility that needed to be connected. And so we we only charge a monthly subscription. Some people can get on the website, match in one month and get off paying less than $50. I think our the donors are free. The donors are free. The recipients can pay as little as $19 a month to be on the website to match. There's no minimum contract. I mean, one month. But, you know, so we've really tried to streamline the process and make it affordable for people and eliminate costs. We've also, like I said, partnered with a law firm to create embryo contracts that are about half of what are charged in the industry standard. And so our this was more of a ministry than um, an income providing source. And we were very blessed that our husbands have supported us in this venture and have provided for us along the way. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that in the sense of I love how Karis is like, if we get a paycheck. Yeah, we, <laughs> we worked with no funds. But I think, too, it's been a blessing for us as a, you know, not quite, we weren't never quite stay-at-home moms. But it was fun to develop a service that could, like, babies have been born because we did this on the side while washing dishes and doing laundry. And it was nice to have something positive in your life when, you know, sometimes as a mom, you're just in the day-to-day grind of chores. And so it's been a blessing and and uh, not quite the financial blessing, but we are blessed that our husbands don't need us to work full-time jobs, you know, somewhere else. They let us do this. I like what you said about, obviously, we're, you guys are blessed because a lot of times we we look at blessing as only as financial, but the the fact that you guys are giving life into society and helping families and everything that you're doing. I mean, you can't put a monetary value on what you're doing for those families and for those children. And that's awesome. So, you know, it can be a very hopeless situation. And when I received that CD in the mail that gave me an option I had never heard of before, there was a resurgence of hope in my life that maybe maybe I actually could experience pregnancy and maybe I could help a child be a part of bringing a child into the world. And so I think a great blessing we experience is getting to see new hope found in the hearts of people who are learning about embryo adoption and donation for the first time. And I just want to encourage your listeners, the person who shared the information with me with someone I had maybe met once, did not know very well, was kind of a friend of one of my family members, and she took the time to share this information with me. And it has not only changed my life, but through the National Registry for Adoption, it has changed thousands of other lives. So even 
If you don't think you know anyone that could benefit from this, I would encourage you to just share it on social media and see where the Lord takes it and where it lands. That's cool. Okay, I want to ask you, ladies, this, and I'll start with Katie. What do you feel like your biggest strength is, either just in life or really in the area that you're operating in right now as far as this ministry slash business? Well, I am incredibly resourceful. If something needs to be to get done, I can figure out a way to get it done. And I am very good at tasks and organizing. And I think I think sometimes Christians get stuck in jobs and they're just like, they're so unhappy. And to get into a new place, you have to have the confidence and the willpower to change. And I think I've done that twice in my life with different careers. I said, I'm unhappy here. I'm going to do something different. And it takes guts and courage and it takes some stamina and some resourcefulness to get that done. So I just like to say, you know, I can get her done if Amen. necessary. Amen. <laughs> I'll second that. She, she can do anything she puts her mind to. I love it. Okay, Karis, what is yours? Um, well, I think my husband would say that I'm gifted with ideas, that I see things and see opportunities and that the Lord speaks ideas to me on a pretty regular basis. And I would say most people that know me have at one point or another, multiple times, have had me come up to them and say, hey, I have this crazy idea, but hear me out. (laughs) And so, and that's really where the National Registry for Adoption started. I went to Katie and I said, hey, I have this crazy idea, but hear me out on it. And the Lord worked in her heart. And about two weeks later, she came back to me and said, let's do it. And it really surprised me. Um, But well, that's because God knew that our strengths would make a great team. Like, Karis had the idea, but no way to implement. And we could implement, but we hadn't had the idea. And we're still friends, even after being in business together for many years. So that's good, too. Yeah, so how does... I love partnerships. I've had a lot of them. How has that worked for you guys? Do you guys flow? Because obviously, you have two totally different strengths, which I love. How has that been for this ministry as far as... Are you guys constantly come up ideas and then... Katie runs with them and you guys are able to come up with a plan. I mean, does that flow pretty smooth for you two? Surprisingly, it really has. We don't really have conflict. We, I think, really respect and defer to one another pretty well. If she feels strongly about something, we go that way. If I feel strongly about something, we'll go this way. So, oh, and I'll just kick in that we enjoy working together. And so I thought it was a little bit hard to try to work on the business from two separate houses. So we just kind of set work hours for us one year, and that gave us an excuse to say, we're not taking care of the kids right now. We're going to go work together and, and, and on stuff. And I think that was my more tactical side saying, okay, being apart isn't productive. And I think it's um, Karis's creativity and conversations that we have that means that our time spent together is productive. Okay, so... Here's a question that I never skip, which kind of pertains to what we're talking about. This is a little bit different interview than I normally do. So I always ask this question, and, and you guys are going to have to make this brief, though, So because I want both of you to answer. But if you were to go back to the younger you, knowing that you're going to start this ministry, what you guys are doing, what age would you go back to? And what advice would you give yourself knowing that someday you're going to do this, but you can't change anything about it, but you're just going to give yourself advice? Oh, I would go back to when I was 27 and I was diagnosed with infertility and I was falling apart because my dream in life was to be a mom. And I would tell that 27-year-old Karis, the Lord is going to use this and you are going to be a mom and you're going to help other people achieve that same dream as well. Katie? 
briefly for me, I've always worked and my husband and I have been successful in different things, but we sold a business and I felt, and I prayed to God so long. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't want to just be a stay at home mom. That's not good for my mental health. Like Lord, what should I do? And I just testify to what Karis said and kind of my feelings when we pray to God and we say, why, why is this happening? I don't know what to do. Lead me, guide me. And he does. And we can only see that with the uh, 2020 vision of hindsight. Perfect. Every time. Okay. What has been a recent book? And you know what I love about having you two on? I think my audience is like 70% women and 30% men. So this makes it great. (laughs) But um, what has been a recent book that's impacted you uh, that you would like to share with us? Sure. This is Katie, and I highly recommend Jordan Peterson's book, The 12 Rules for Life, A Way to Fight Chaos. Jordan Peterson, he doesn't openly declare himself a Christian, but he believes that the stories of the Bible teach deep truths about our world, deep, eternal truths. And in his 12 rules, it just talks about different ways that you should conduct your life to keep chaos and sin and darkness out of your life. And it's a little bit heavy, but it's very practical. And I know so many people who are wandering, they don't know what they want to do. They struggle with certain issues that maybe they're only dealing with at the surface and they need to get to the truth at the bottom. So I recommend Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life to anybody. I, it is actually, I've made I called the doctor this week and I wrote some stuff out for my husband and I to discuss from reading the book. I'm going to the doctor because I need to get my knee fixed. But it's just this book has just helped me like address both spiritual and personal issues. And then also just the fact of like, hey, you need to get up and do this. So that's my book. I highly recommend it. I like it. We'll check it out. Uh, the book I would recommend is called When Empty Arms Become a Heavy Burden. And it's a book about walking through infertility from a Christian perspective, written by a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. It just spoke to my heart at a deep level. I've taught from it several times to women's Bible studies, and if you're walking the road of infertility, it's a great read. Can you say the name again? When empty arms become a heavy burden. Yeah, and we'll have that in our show notes. I wrote that down as you were talking, and I'll make sure that that makes our show notes. Okay. So, ladies, as we wrap this up, and greatly appreciate you two coming on. What piece of advice as we part from both of you would you like to leave our listeners? Did I lose oh, advice? Oh, okay. I'm so, full. I'm so bossy, but good advice, you know. I would just say to your listeners, I know this is about being real. And one of the rules is uh, don't lie. Tell the truth and at least don't lie. And just reading that chapter (laughs) and realize how many times in life, even just in cordial, friendly conversations, you might skirt the truth or not be fully honest. And so my advice is to be to tell the truth or at least don't lie. That's good. (laughs) I'll go with what Kate said. (laughs) We're going to end with that. Okay. Well, ladies, I just want to thank you so much for jumping in on with us and bringing our listeners a whole new topic that was new to me and sure that it's new to a lot of people. And I'm hoping to get the word out there because obviously there is a lot of women out there and husbands that need your service. So thank you so much. John, I need to jump in before we leave and just say that NRFA can be hard to remember. Is it the FRNZs? Is it (laughs) .com? I don't know. So we made a friendlier website that's easier to remember. It's called prebornkids.com, and that'll take you to our site. But prebornkids.com is a little easier to remember and spell. 
than sometimes in our FA.org. So prebornkids.com. Okay. And is there any other way? Is that the best way to get a hold of you? If your listeners have questions for Karis or I, they can email those to the support email address at prebornkids.com and the people there will forward it to the right person. So they're more than welcome to ask us questions and get involved in embryo donation and adoption. Okay. Well, if you two ladies would hold on just a second as I wrap this up. Roar Nation, thank you guys so much for jumping on. And hey, don't forget, we talk about books every time. And I, believe it or not, forget every week that I actually wrote a book on finding purpose. And the first chapter is free on our page, areyoureal.org. And not just that, it takes you to the Amazon link to buy it. Now, I'm not being biased because I wrote it. It actually is really good. And I've had some great reviews and people tell me that it was life-changing for them. So check it out, get a hold of it, and let it change your life. And also reach out to these ladies. If you are needing help with adoption or have any questions, please tell them that you heard about them on our podcast and get on their website and support them. So Are you real? Nation, we love you. And remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. We get asked all the time, why Fellowship Home Loans? What makes us different? Hey, everyone. This is Mike. And this is Brian of Fellowship Home Loans. Many things make us different, but what do our clients say? We can close your loan in weeks, not months like other lenders. They love our low rates and, of course, our personalized one-on-one approach. And always, our clients get two months off from their mortgage payments and $1,000 back at closing. Our motto itself, mortgage lending guided by Christian principles. Call us today at 800-804-SAVE or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.